The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Atlantic Files, the number one podcast on the number one division in the NBA, brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. The season has begun. So, without further ado, let's jump into looking at some of these... um, first games that the Atlantic Division teams have played, and while some impressed, some looked pretty bad, and there are players that kind of impressed as well, and just to um, make you aware, we'll have a little bit of a shorter episode this week, because first off, I want to say Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone out there, Hope hopefully um, others had a, have a Happy Hanukkah as well, and Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Every holiday you can think of. Um, hope everyone has a great time, stays safe, avoids COVID, and is still able to see their families. So, first off, we'll go in chronological order pretty much with how these games took place. The Brooklyn Nets destroyed the Golden State Warriors 125-99 to on opening night for the NBA. Now, a lot of people had some hype going surrounding Golden State because of Steph Curry coming back. However, in this game, obviously Clay's out for the season and Draymond is also out. Uh, I don't know how long, but wasn't playing in this game either. And it was pretty bad. Um, Kelly Obrey shot three for 14. Wiggins shot four for 16. Curry shot seven for 21 and only two for 10 from three. But one of the bright spots for this team was definitely Wiseman who ended up shooting 7 for 13, uh, even hit a 3 in there. He had 19 points, 6 rebounds, 2 steals. Um, I think that you know that was a very good opening game for the rookie big man, especially because he didn't really have much college time, he didn't have a summer league, he didn't have much training camp time, and was just kind of thrown to the wolves against a team like Brooklyn. But enough of the Warriors. On to Brooklyn. They looked dominant. They looked unstoppable. Durant and Kyrie only even played 25 minutes in this game. They went through the entire bench as well. And one of those bench players, Karis LeVert, also playing 25 minutes, put up 20 points himself. Kyrie put up 26, 4, and 4. Durant put up 22 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 1 block. And the only other starter to go into double digits was uh, Harris at 10 points. But at that point, it wasn't exactly even needed. Um, Because you look into the bench scoring and you still have Jeff Green with seven. Um, Perry even got in the game. He had a couple points. Kuruks had three. Uh, Allen had eight. Luau Cabarro with five, Schmidt with six, Brown with a couple. There, everyone was contributing for the Nets. Everyone was hitting shots. The team as a whole shot 45% from the floor and 42% from three, also 81% from the line. A stark contrast from Golden State, who shot 37 from the floor, 30 from three, and 65 from the line. Um, really 
with the Nets, there's not much new to say about this team with this first game that we saw because this is kind of what we expected. We expected Durant and Kyrie to come out and be dominant, and that's exactly what they did. We expected them to do it. They came out. They did it. Some people are like, wow, Brooklyn might really win the East. I mean, is that not what we all expected in the beginning? Because we know what Durant gives you. The only question mark behind Durant was how he came back from his injury. Um, Newsflash, he looked fine. And Kyrie, coming back from an injury is kind of normal for Kyrie because Kyrie's been hurt a lot. So that's another thing that we kind of already knew as well. So the last thing to do was mesh them with Nash as the coach. Obviously, with this first game, it ended up going out, going pretty well together, um, especially against a team that Nash used to be one of the coaches on. And boom, I think that the Nets, I talked about them before, you know, winning the Atlantic and being one of the top teams in the East. I feel like, especially after watching them in this game, the top two spots in the East will be between either Milwaukee or the Nets. And uh, I think that, yes, it's only one game, but seeing that they stay healthy, which is the big if for every single team, it's not just Brooklyn, uh, it's, it's pretty easy to see that they're going to be in that conversation for Eastern Conference champion. And so speaking of the Bucks, the next night, which is last night uh, at the time I'm recording this, the Bucks took on the Boston Celtics. The Celtics made Giannis Antetokounmpo look like he was not worth that giant contract that he just signed in the first half. Um, Giannis was not doing well at all. Finally turned it on towards the end. Ended up shooting 50% but took 26 shots to get 35 points. Not exactly the most efficient there. Um, he also put up a lot of threes actually. So I'm, I'm curious to see if Giannis is going to put up more and more and more threes as the season goes on. He shot eight of them, made only three of them. He ended with 35 points, 13 rebounds, but also had seven turnovers in this game. The Celtics' defense was very, very good in that first half. They were really uh, getting the Bucks to turn the ball over. The Bucks ended up with 16 turnovers in comparison to the Celtics' six turnovers. So turnover differential there, huge. But the game came down to the very, very end. And what we found out is another thing that we already know. Jason Tatum is that dude. He put up that bank shot game winner. And while it probably wasn't the best shot the Celtics could have gotten, still made it, still put the team on his back, still got the win. And on top of that, not only is Jason Tatum that dude, but what this game proved is that Tatum and Brown are a big-time duo. They, I mean, they came out, put up 63 points between the two of them. Yes, they took 28 shots and 24 shots respectively, but it got the job done. Brown had 33 Five rebounds, four assists, two steals, one block. Jason Tatum had 30 points, seven rebounds, two assists, two steals, one block. These two got it done together without Kemba. Even with Marcus Smart only having three points all off of free throws. Um, and to go along with them, the only other guys really contributing all that much was Jeff T with 19 and Tristan Thompson with 12 and Tice with 10. I thought it was a little interesting that the starting lineup had Thompson and Tice in at the same time. I guess it works out because Tice does, uh, can stretch the floor a little bit more. But 
I feel like that's probably going to change at some point. I feel like, um, especially if Ojale uh, shows some growth, I feel like he could crack the starting squad as a power forward. Um, even Grant Williams as well, because I know they like Grant in a lot of different um, situations there. And it kind of sucks that we didn't get to see Aaron Neesmith. We saw Peyton Pritchard for 13 minutes. Ended up being a minus two during that time. Only three points, uh, one steal, one rebound. Shot one for four. But I feel like at some point we're going to see Neesmith in there uh, to get his reps and, and see what kind of shooting he can bring for this team. But in the end... The Celtics pull it out. Giannis misses two game-winning, not game-winning, game-tying free throws. And the Celtics start out 1-0. Uh, it was, like I said, the first half, very promising, very nice to see. The second half, Milwaukee comes back, but you kind of expected that. Milwaukee is a really good team. Um, we know they're a very, very good regular season team. It's, it's the playoffs that we have to see what happens with that. But in the end, still... Uh, very promising for the Celtics, and I'm curious to see because, as I said, they won this game barely with Marcus Smart only getting three points. You're not going to count on him only getting three points, you know, here on out. So they'll probably be able to ex uh, count on him for a better offensive production. And then you throw Kemba in, and it could be a whole different game as well. So um, very. Um, very, very exciting game, but also very encouraging for Celtics fans. Now, we'll move on then to the Sixers. They beat the Wizards 113-107. The Sixers really like to make teams that don't have great defenses look like they have a great defense. So in the first half, they had a lot of good things going on. They had a good run in there. They they went up by as much as like 11 or 12 points, I believe it was. And then all of a sudden, the offense just went ice, 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 ice cold. Like if below zero cold. Um, couldn't hit threes, couldn't hit shots, couldn't hit layups, couldn't get any... Uh, free throws to go in or even get a foul and go to the line. It ended up looking like very scary, looking like, you know, shades of last season where they were going to underachieve. But then in the fourth quarter where they needed him most and what they have been waiting for for a while, Embiid came alive, took the game over, tied it up, and then once they took the lead in the fourth, they didn't look back. Embiid looked great in this game. Maybe not a little bit in the first quarter because he did have some very slow shots. They were double-teaming him a lot, and sometimes he was getting himself in trouble. Ended up with only three turnovers, though, compared to when, you know, uh, earlier on in his career when the Celtics would double-team him and things like that, he was putting up like eight, nine, ten turnovers a game with against a defense like that. Um, but he ended with 29 points, 14 rebounds, 2 assists, and a block. Shot 10 for 17, too, so pretty efficient as well. Um, 8 for 9 on free throws, hit the only 3-pointer he took. Uh, ben Simmons looked okay. So the one thing about Ben Simmons is, so he put up like around his averages, what he's been averaging for a while now. He put up 16 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, 3 blocks, with 4 turnovers. Shot 7 for 12, but 2 for 6 from the line. Um, obviously, the free throw shooting is pretty worrisome there. 33% uh, is pretty bad. Um, 7 for 12, not bad, but also he's not taking very deep shots or anything like that. Uh, 
It's just there was a lot of times in this game that when Ben Simmons was in, the offense stagnated. The offense stood around. The offense didn't do much. The ball wasn't moving as much. And so it wasn't as exciting to watch this team when Ben Simmons was on the floor, especially if he's not getting in transition. If he is not getting in transition, the team is flat and the team doesn't do anything. When Then when he goes out, the team's moving the ball more. There's more room on the court because everyone's a threat from where they are to shoot the ball, even Embiid. And the thing is with Simmons, especially in the half-court offense, if he drives, figures out there's nothing really much to do, he'll pass it back. And when you pass it back, that guy doesn't have enough room from his defender because the defender didn't have a reason to follow you because... Yes, you can drive, but you already have a big man down there. You have him for the the help for the guard who's covering Ben Simmons. And the other guy knows like he's not going to pull up from mid-range. He's not going to pull up from three. So the other defender doesn't have to come over either. And so the guy you pass it back to is you know, smothered and nothing happens. So uh, there's there has to be a lot to be there has to be a lot that is worked on to really you know, fine-tune Ben Simmons' half-court offense. That's nothing new, though. We know that as well. Um, that's something that's going to be monitored throughout the whole season by everybody. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, Shake Milton and Tyrese Maxey both impressed in this game. Uh, Maxey got himself six points, made three of his six shots, two assists, two rebounds to go along with it. Shake Milton playing 30 minutes in this game, put up 19 points, three steals, three assists, one rebound, uh, six of 11 from the floor and two of four from three. Shake Milton came in and was a huge spark plug for them off the bench. Um, he looked like he's six man of the year, like off rip. I'm saying it right now. As long as they don't move him up to the starting squad, I'm saying right now, Shake Milton, six man of the year. Maybe even most improved player of the year because he really didn't play all that much from last season. But I'm saying it right now. Six man of the year, Shake Milton, book it. Anyway, uh, Furkan Korkmaz also looked pretty good. He was finishing through a little contact. He was he was uh, bodying up with people. He's playing some decent defense. Um, he, was, he had 11 points, hit three of his threes, and even had two blocks and a steal to go along with that as well. Um, Dwight Howard came in and does what he's supposed to do. Four points, 10 rebounds, a block, uh, you know, made all of his shots around the rim. Danny Green and Seth Curry left a little to be desired for. Seth Curry did have 13 points, but was one for five from three. Danny Green was 0 for four from three. And it's just funny to me because the two shooters that the Sixers signed combined for one of nine from three point, whereas the two that they already had in Shake Milton and Furkan Korkmaz combined for five of 10. (laughs) So uh, that's interesting. I don't think that's going to continue, but it was just funny for this game. The worrisome part for the Sixers was Tobias Harris. He looked awful, and it's not for lack of effort. He definitely gave plenty of effort, but he looked terrible. Um, 3 of 13 from the floor, 0 of 4 from three-point line, only 10 points, 8 rebounds, 1 block, 2 turnovers. He had a couple corner threes where, like, everybody watching knew he was going to miss. Like, before he even shot it, everyone was just kind of like, yeah, that's not going to go in. If you got people saying that, that's a problem. <laughs> like, plain and simple, that's an issue. So, 
that's going to be something to look out for too. Uh, to buy uh, the Sixers, especially with Simmons and Embiid, we need to see Simmons improve, but they Tobias has to be a steadying factor as well for them to really be championship level. And if he's going to continue to do games like that, not going to end well. Knicks kind of doing what we expected with the Knicks. Um, they lost 121-107 to the Pacers. R.J. Barrett looked good. 26 points on 11 of 15 shooting. Made all three of his threes. Also chipped in eight rebounds, five assists. So he looked very, very good. Mitchell Robinson, I mean, he only got 21 minutes, which I thought was kind of interesting. I feel like he should have... They should have given him a little more time, but at the same time, Sabonis did go off for 32 points and 13 rebounds, as well as Miles Turner almost had a triple-double in with blocks. He had 10 points, 8 rebounds, 8 blocks. So maybe at that point, maybe he shouldn't have gotten some more minutes. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, other notes, Alec Burks looked good with uh, extended minutes. He had 22 points for the team. Quickly looked decent so far in that game. He had five points, a rebound assist, and a seal. But he ended up with a hit pointer and was out the rest of the game. He's probably going to be out for like a, a week or so. Um, it really sucks to see that because I think Quickly is going to turn out to be a very good prospect for this team. Uh, but, you know, that mm, it sucks. Toppin kind of just looked like, you know, he still needs to get his legs for the NBA. Uh, kind of expected a not-so-great night. Um, didn't start, but still got 24 minutes. Shot 3 of 12. All three of those made shots being threes. So that was kind of nice, the fact that he was hitting threes. But in the end, still just got to be, you know, got to get acclimated to the NBA. Um, Randall kind of give, gave you what you would expect of him. 17 points, nine assists, nine rebounds with five turnovers. And then the rest of the team is just very, eh. Alfred Payton, I mean, leaves a lot to be desired. Um, Bullock, I mean, really should be only in there to be a three and D guy, but they kind of need him for more and it's just not going to happen. So yeah, the Raptors kind of surprisingly didn't really have a chance in this Pelicans game. Um, they lost 113-99. Ingram, Bledsoe, Lonzo, Zion, and Redick all scored double digits for the Pelicans. Um, they all had very good games. Lonzo was even hitting threes. Uh, and then you get down to the Raptors, and they shot 42% from the floor, but 30% from three. So it just really was not their night from the three-point line. OG and Anobi went scoreless for a long time, too. He only finished with eight points, but he stuffed the stat sheet in other places with eight rebounds, two assists, three steals, two blocks. Um, Lowry gave you a solid Lowry game, 18 points, 10 assists. Uh, but Van Vliet was way off, 3 of 12 from the floor, 2 of 8 from 3. Siakam gave you 20 points, 6 assists, 6, assists, six rebounds. Um, but there was a lot of times in there that he just kind of looked like he wasn't being a very impactful player. So I think that's going to be something to look for as well. Um, the bench didn't give much. Powell had 12, but he shot 2 of 11. Boucher did do a decent job. He was plus 2 with 12 points. Um, but then you got like Bembry, uh, I know Johnson and Flynn only played one minute, but then there's Thomas and Davis 
they combined gave you nine points. That's what six, five guys. So that's not going to win you many games. Um, especially like you have OG giving you eight points, Van Vliet giving you nine, who usually give you double digits, and it's usually above like 12, 13, 14 points. So, um, I think that that's going to be something to look for, especially because this is now the season after Van Vliet got his money. We got to see what Van Vliet's gonna gonna bring. Is he gonna be um, complacent now that he got his money, or is he going to continue to elevate his level of play and be where he was at before? We'll see. But that is it for me, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files, the number one podcast on the number one division in the NBA. Make sure you check out basketballsocietyonline.com and make sure you check out the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Thank you guys for listening. Catch you guys next week. Peace.